Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talk Show. I'm Connor Beaton, and on this week's Midweek and Mini episode, I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach, and I'm going to start talking about four archetypes from the book King, Lover, Warrior, Magician. And these four archetypes can be seen in our culture and through movies, through books, through the hero's journey, through so many different pieces, but they can also be seen in modern masculinity. And one of the things that I find very interesting about these four archetypes, well, first off, this is from the book, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, Rediscovering the Archetypes of the Mature Masculine. And this is something, uh, it was written by Robert Moore and Douglas Gillette. And this book has actually been out for a few decades. It's not, it's not new by any means, um, but it's definitely a, a prominent one. So if you haven't read it, I'm going to go through a few of the archetypes. I'm going to go through all the archetypes uh, individually. This episode will focus specifically on the magician archetype. And in the book, they actually start with the king archetype, but I'm going to finish with the king archetype because uh, I think it's one of the most powerful ones. And it's also one of the most important ones that seems to be lacking in our culture right now. Um, But Anyway, these archetypes show up in a multitude of ways. They are, uh, in the book, really, they talk about it being a part of masculine psyche. They talk about the transition from uh, boy psychology to man psychology. And, And it's really about the initiation, right? The ultimate goal is that we have done the work as men to integrate these different parts of us and not to sort of get lost in the idea that we are one only over the other but that there is a journey for each of us to start to discover these archetypes and energies within us. Uh, But before I dive in too deep and and really unpack the magician, I just want to remind everyone listening to this podcast, uh, guys, head on over to the Facebook community. We've got some great conversations going on there. And it's an amazing community where we dive deep into sex and intimacy, relationships, you know, money, mindset, fitness, like the whole gamut. And there's some really, really incredible men from around the world there. Uh, if you are looking to do some some men's work, if you're looking for a coach, uh, you can definitely look online and, and uh, consider doing some work with myself or joining one of the men's weekends that I run. Uh, we have one coming up. Uh, and we also have an incredible group of men online called the Alliance. So you can find all that either at ConnorBeaton.com or Mantalks.com. So let's dive straight into the magician because the magician is an interesting connection between the wisdom of the old and the wisdom of the modern. And normally we think of magicians as like, you know, people pulling rabbits out of hats. And <laughs> and I don't know who what the guy's name is, but there's a, there's a uh, guy that I saw the other day on, on TV, uh, on YouTube more accurately because I don't have TV, uh, who like regurgitated a frog uh, and, you know, was like just doing some like really crazy things. He basically like freaked out Will Smith. Uh, anyway. The magician archetype is so much more than that. The magician is really the wisdom seeker in many ways. And so it's the it's the wisdom of the old and the wisdom of the new, modern technology. And a, a lot of this in the book, Robert Moore and Douglas Gillette, uh, they, they really, uh, here's how they describe it. They say, we, we often mistakenly think that we are very different from our ancient ancestors with our great knowledge and our amazing technology, but the origins of our knowledge and our technology lie in the minds of men like the old 
uh, Aborigine. He and all those like him in tribal and ancient societies were accessing the magician energy. Now, in in sort of uh, modern movies like Lord of the Rings, we can see Gandalf being this very, um, you know, archetypal uh, magician. He is the wise sage, the one that sort of keeps all the wisdom. He knows where things are stored. He knows how things travel. He he is really uh, the embodiment of that. And in real life, we can see this role being played by the shaman. And in the days of old, the shaman was just uh, uh, an individual, a being, usually a man, who was the embodiment of knowing. He had studied the moon and the stars and how things moved and how everything was interconnected. He knew how things were connected, how the sun worked, when it would rise and fall, and he was able to understand life and existence in a depth that very few seemed to be able to comprehend. And and it's this type of wisdom, this type of wisdom and knowing that the that the magician really hosts and really latches onto. And we can see this energy, uh, you can see this archetypal magician in, in one of the four basic building blocks really of our psychology. And it's, and you know, when they discuss it in the book, uh, they talk about how this is sort of a, a fading, uh, a fading uh, archetype. And uh, it's it's interesting because in in a book that was uh, produced um, recently by a gentleman named Pearson, he said the archetype of the magician teaches us about creation, about our capacity to bring into being what never was there before, about claiming our roles as co-creators of the universe, as co-creators of the universe. And so when you think about the magician, you can think about um, sage, um, sage people through different, um, many different cultures. You can think about monks, you know, Buddhist monks are almost a form of magicians. But the, the very interesting thing is that in our modern world, the age of the old wisdom of magician and the wisdom of creation and some of the pieces of interconnectivity have started to fade in in the in being replaced by the wisdom of technology and oftentimes within the magician realm the magician is responsible for initiation which is why i actually wanted to start with the magician and why he is so important why this energy and this archetype is so important the magician is is often achieved through the process of initiation and usually there is uh, a magician that is not only a student, but 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 requires a master, and there's sort of a lineage that happens. And in this way, this is sort of the the transcendence of a boy in a manhood, and that every man requires this initiation into into manhood, and that most men at some point in their life will seek out some form of a master, some form of a master who is able to equip them and teach them. Uh, about the wisdom of transcendence, about the wisdom of interconnectivity. And, you know, in Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, these are the mentors who actually guide the protagonist in the journey from the ordinary world into the special realm where transformation actually takes place. 
And you've and 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 when this actually happens, when you find the master, when you find the the person, the magician who's going to be the guide for you on the journey, you've really taken your steps into a much larger world. And we can actually see this in so many movies, right? We can see this in Star Wars where Luke Skywalker meets Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Obi-Wan is that magician. He's the one that is imparting wisdom and knowledge onto the young Jedi. And a distinction can be made here, again, going back to the the difference between the magician as uh, as a, a master of wisdom or a master of knowing and a master of technology. And the first the first actually relates to the transformation that occurs in the material world. And so that is the wisdom of the the knower, the magician knower. And the second is the transformation um, and, and transcendence of the personal psyche. And the distinction is important because as Gillette and Moore talk about, they really, and this is a quote from their book, they say, ours is, we believe, the age of the magician because it is a technological age. It is an age of the magician, at least in his materialistic concern with understanding and having power over nature. But in terms of non-materialistic, uh, psychological, or spiritual initiatory process, the magician energy seems to be in short supply. And this really sums up for me the importance of the magician in our, uh, in our mainstream society. Because realistically, what a lot of men are facing right now is that they have never experienced the initiation process in the manhood. They were sort of cast out onto their own to sort of figure it out by themselves. And, and even in ancient worlds where Spartans, you know, young, young men, young boys, young Spartans were given a spear and, you know, a piece of flint and sent off into the wilderness to provide for themselves, they had spirits and mentors and guides that were meant to be this magician, that were meant to be this, uh, this, this guide in the process and an initiation into manhood. So where did the imbalance come from in our current society and in terms of lacking the initiation magician, in terms of lacking this guidance of this mentor, as we would call it, and, and what is the other half of the magician that, that we appear to have lost, this, this sense of connectivity with something greater, with something more prominent and deeper? Well, in, in the book, the, the archetype of initiation, um, which is also written by Robert Moore, he really starts to dive into some of these questions by looking at and examining um, pre-modern tribal principles considered lost and inaccessible to modern society. And these are, you know, these are some of the lost principles um, of our ancient ancestors. And one of the biggest principles for me that was one of the most important things is the principle of sacred space sacred space. And this in the book is different from what he calls profane space. And more refers to a few things in, in the book um, and differentiates between, uh, in, in the uh, sorry, in, in a different book, Marcia Elade uh, creates a distinction between the sacred and the profane um, by explaining how our modern society is based solely on creating profane space and that we no longer acknowledge the sacred space uh, and the sort of ontolo ontological impacts of, of that. So in the book, they say, properly speaking, there is no longer any world. There, is, there are only fragments 
of a shattered universe, an amorphous mass consisting of an infinite number of more or less neutral places in which man moves, governed and driven by the obligations of an existence incorporated into an industrial society. So the idea here, while that might sound complex, the idea is basically that we have fragmented our society and our families and our communities at such an alarming rate that we have disbanded and disintegrated this idea of having a sacred space. And in ancient times, these sacred spaces were the, were the places where people often went to explore their magician energy, where they were often taught the interconnectivity of everything around them. And, um, you know, I think in, in ancient times, the church has often tried to um, be that sacred space. And in, in, a, lot of, in a lot of spaces, um, in, in a lot of different practices, it's more than just having a, a church, a, a, a house or structure that you go to. In many ways, the sacred space is something that should return us to nature. And we can see this in so many different movies that have come out over the last decade or two, where people really seem to be hearkening back to this need to reconnect with the sacred. And so more in, in the book, uh, Lover, uh, sorry, King, Lover, Warrior, Magician, he talks about he, he says the profane space differs from the sacred space in that it has no fixed point or center from which to gain orientation. Profane space has no axis mundi, no cosmic tree or pillar leading to the heavens. This is the experience of modernity, people unable to locate a center. Now, this is really profound because it actually unpacks much of the challenges that modern man face. Modernity is, just in case you're not familiar with that terminology, modernity is, is basically um, the, the seeking and the necessity to continue to modernize, to continue to grow. And capitalism, as we know it, is dependent on modernity. Capitalism actually requires modernity to happen. So we need to continue to innovate and, and be uh, use ingenuity in order to create new and bigger and better um, in order to, to continue to grow. And because of that, the profane space, this idea that we know right now I'm living in a, in a profane space, right? I'm in, I'm in an apartment in Manhattan in a building with hundreds and hundreds of other apartments separated and segregated from my community. And in ancient times, if I lived in a community, it usually was under 150 people. And there was almost always a centerpiece in the middle of the village, in the middle of the community that would act as this, as this center point. Uh, or there was something outside of the village that would be this center point from which it was a sacred space. And we can see this in movies like Game of Thrones where they have, you know, the uh, the, I'm totally blanking out, but the, the Starks have a tree out in outside of the castle that they all go to. And that's their sacred space, right? That is their, their sort of tree of life where they go to pray, where they are connected to everything that is bigger than them, everything that is outside of them. And it's these sacred spaces that we seem to have lost, that we seem to struggle to actually connect to. 
And the challenge with that is that people, because of that, um, have have started to devalue the the connection to the magician, the connection to the mentor. And the consistent factor, this is again from Moore in the book, the consistent factor in pre-modern times was not the belief in God as a singular entity, but belief in some kind of regenerative, regenerative power or libidinal energy that could be tapped into for personal and social regeneration. So the idea here was that we had these spaces that we could bring ourselves back to. And these spaces connected us all, that even if you didn't have a close relationship with people in the village, um, there was still a space that daily or weekly that they would go and connect to that you were also connected to. And that was the thing that bound you together. And, you know, I think that's why in the past few years, we've seen a rise of of people flocking to gurus, people flocking to these men and women that that will act as this center point. And that can be helpful as long as the guru is living, as long as this sort of person or entity or being is in the true nature of the magician, of the guide, of the mentor, and and has the sort of um, wellness and, and direction of of the individual in mind rather than their own rather than their own tyrannical needs and that's usually where the king comes into and I'll tie that in at another time so what do we really need to know about the magician well the the magician as i've said has a few different uh important pieces right the magician is usually a ritual leader so the ritual leader is someone that will guide men guide women but specifically in this case because this man talks guide men through the process of understanding how to create a sacred space not only outside in the world but within themselves and how to find that sacred space that connectivity to everything outside of them that interconnectivity to everything around them to help them understand that they are never inherently alone because they are an interconnection of everything around them so the the magician plays that role of the ritual leader. He he or she helps individuals find sacred space within themselves and within their world, but also helps them connect to being the sort of cupbearers of this wisdom, of this knowledge, of this knowing and information. And the people who really feel drawn to that magician, really feel drawn to that mentor, will connect with them and learn their ways over years and and potentially decades. And, and that the magician's job is not to try and convince them to follow them, but rather that the people see uh, an immense amount of wisdom in what that person is uh, imbuing and, and bringing to the, to the world and the space to want to learn uh, from that experience. And in many ways, there's also a, a dark side. There's also a dark side to not having the magician energy, right? This is where we see a lot of lost men, a lot of lost boys, a lot of lost energy, uh, a lot of depression and disconnection to the world around us, a lot of disconnection to rituals, to something greater than, than ourselves. And many people will struggle and they will embark on journeys that are not productive for them, that leave them feeling alone, that leave them feeling isolated and disconnected from something greater than themselves. 
And we have also seen this in many different movies where someone will wander off on their own. It's one of the reasons why in Lord of the Rings, Frodo Baggins is never really left alone, right? He is always surrounded by a group of people who are supporting him on that journey. And and the magician, being Gandalf, is the one that continues to come back and make sure that that journey uh, happens to its fullest extent. But but Frodo's never alone. He never wanders off by himself because he understands that it requires other people to support him on that journey. Even when he tries to, to disband from Sam and the rest of the group, they still find their way back to him because they realize that there is a mission. And, and in this way, this is a part of what the magician teaches. And so without it, people can feel in, incredibly lost and they can feel as if the uh, the need for for power and knowledge can be overwhelming, and this is where we see a lot of men seek knowledge, seek just facts and data incessantly, and they buy the courses and they read all of the books, but they never truly are able to integrate them, and they never open themselves up to a guide or a mentor or a magician who is able to help them integrate those pieces in a way that transcends just simply knowing information, because the magician is the realm of experiencing that the magician is the realm of experiencing that and and not only knowing not only understanding information but knowing it at an experiential level so i hope that this was helpful for you um the last piece i'm going to talk about is is the joker and the joker is the anti-magician the joker as we can see in in batman is the is the absolute chaos the absolute chaos of the magician and the Joker in, in Batman really has like no intention of constructive transformation. It, it doesn't really matter what happens in that movie with uh, Heath Ledger playing the Joker. In that movie, he only seeks to destroy. He only ever seeks to destroy. And he accesses this infantile version of the shadow magician called the trickster. And uh, Robert Moore and, uh, and Gillette actually talk about the trickster in their book. And if we're careful, the first thing that we need to know is most of us have the trickster energy within us. Most of us have this shadow magician that wants to destroy and, and pull things apart. And, and this is really a part of um, the sabotager. If you've ever felt that sabotage energy within you, that is a part of the shadow magician. And the shadow magician shows up like the Joker. It's complete chaos. It's complete destruction. It makes no sense whatsoever. Even within the even within the the bad guys, right of of that Batman movie. I'm going to keep referring to that. The Joker pisses off even the bad guys. He's just complete chaos. And and again, this is from Moore and Gillette's book. They say this is the energy form that seeks the fall of great men, that delights in the destruction of a man of importance. But the trickster does not want to replace the man who has fallen. He does not want to take up the man's responsibilities. In fact, he doesn't want any responsibilities at all. He wants to do just enough to wreck things for others. And this is where we have to be cautious of the magician because the shadow energy of the magician is this, is this joker. And in many ways, 
this part of us, there is a part of almost all of, almost everybody has this part within them, within their psyche that wants to destroy, that wants to take apart their life, that wants to find the reasons within their life why they should, you know, smoke weed and binge watch Netflix for the next two years straight and not accomplish anything or go out in the world and rob and steal and cheat and create chaos and destruction in relationships. Most of us have that part. So, what then are the qualities of a good magician, lastly? And, and what function can they serve in a society without sacred space and rituals of initiation? Well, first, hopefully, we, ha- we can learn in, in this, through this uh, episode that we can provide and seek out more of those spaces in our life. Ultimately, the most important purpose of accessing the the magician within our culture and venturing into the sacred space is the destruction, or sorry, not destruction, the deconstruction of the ego. And the magician keeps our sort of grandiosity in check. It keeps the other archetypes in balance. It in balance. It allows us to find a resemblance of balance within our psyche, within our existence. It is the archetype of thoughtfulness and reflection and awareness and insight. It's usually the piece of yourself that you feel deeply when you meditate, when you are questioning um, existential queries, when you are wondering about God, when you're wondering about the universe, when you are in awe of the energies of existence, when you look out at a sunrise or a sunset in a beautiful place and you are left just in complete awe and there's a wisdom within that where you know that you're connected to it, but you, in words, can't seem to describe (laughs) how you necessarily fit into all of that. So that's why it's important. And great magicians really see into the depth of human beings. Great magicians see into the depth of human beings. And they have the capacity to deflate our arrogance and call us out and call us forward when we act in denial or when we act in arrogant and ignorant ways. And they, and they seem to be able to look at you and, and they see through the facade. They're able to look directly at the cocky or scared ego that never wants to be seen. And it's able to call us forward and initiate us into the wisdom that we already know is there, that we already know is buried deep within us, that, we, that we've touched, that we've felt at one time or another in our lives, and maybe we've lost connection with. And maybe it's so far gone that we need someone who is powerful enough and strong enough to be able to pull us back into that space of knowing and release us from that, from that shadow of the magician. So that's what I have for you today. I hope that you found value in this. I am going to cover uh, the king, the lover, and the warrior in episodes to come. So I hope that you enjoyed this. Please don't forget to share and subscribe. Leave us a rating. Uh, It goes a long way. And uh, share this with just one person because this uh, might give them some deep insight into their own personality and lives. So until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off. 